0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, welcome back to the Struggle to Know. Uh, we are here in Canton, Michigan. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we have a very special guest today. And I'll go ahead and pass it over so everyone can introduce themselves.
1: Well, inshallah, before introducing uh, our, our uh, honored guest, I wanted to uh, just give a couple of acknowledgements uh, uh, and give thanks, uh, first of all, to Brother. Uh, Sayyid Shafiwuddin Ahmed whose equipment uh, we're borrowing because the Cleveland Public Library uh, uh, their equipment wasn't uh, available for loan. They graciously loaned us their equipment for uh, for our podcast in the past but today it wasn't available so Shafi MashaAllah came through he has his own podcast called the Chains of Narration podcast and we urge everybody to check it out um, and uh, I'd also uh, like to thank uh, our special guest today uh, uh, one of the founding members of CARE uh, Michigan and one of the early workers in the uh, CARE movement um, uh, and one of the pillars of the community here in Detroit uh, and a, uh, a renowned author who's written on a number of very important topics um, and uh, uh, just a, a very honorable person, uh, Imam Dawood walid uh, who is, uh, who, we're in his CARE office right now in Detroit. so. Uh, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh And welcome to our podcast, Imam Daud Wa alaikum salam alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh And obviously we have
2: Our brother, your brother Musa Sigupham, alhamdulillah
0: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh
1: Call him Sheikh, otherwise I'm going to break your windows
0: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you know, I didn't actually introduce myself I tend not to do that So my name is uh, Tristan Wheeler And uh, I am a native Clevelander And serve on the uh, board uh, At one of the masajid in the city of Cleveland and
2: one of the beautiful things about our dean is it brings people together. So not very often can you have Ohio and Michigan come together in peace, <laughs> and <have a> discussion <laughs> with love and compassion and thoughtfulness. Alhamdulillah.
1: <laughs> so Imam Dawud, inshallah, I would like to kick off the podcast. It seems that we, we do this in the beginning. It, it is very enriching for the listeners. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your journey through... Uh, life and what got you to the point where you are in terms of your knowledge, in terms of your spiritual growth, your personal growth, uh, your activism, politics, all of these things maybe uh, uh, lead us to a point that we can inshallah uh, then jump off from there in a more organic discussion uh, in order to
3: benefit. <laughs> Uh, first of all let me say it's a uh, an honor and privilege to be on this podcast and I'm actually a um, a listener and a viewer uh, I may Allah reward you all for the work you're doing as far as the the, the dawah and also uh, helping get out uh, stories of, of of people who are doing contributions to uh, to this deen and doing khidmah uh, on behalf of Muslims and humankind. So, jazaakumullahu khairan, may Allah which give you, all of you, al-afiyah, akhirah and protect you and protect your families, and protect all of those who you love. Um, so a little bit about my background. I was born in Detroit, but I was raised in Central Virginia. Uh, took a little pit stop in New York for a moment. Um, I have a uh, so-called interfaith family meaning that I have Muslims on my father's side. My mother's side is 100% Christian. You know, may Allah guide them, and guide my mother. Um, my, uh, my influence is, uh, I'll start back with my father. My father uh, grew up off of uh, Claremont and Linwood, and historically speaking, this is on the west side of Detroit. That's down Mm -hmm. the street from Masjid Wali Muhammad, which used to be temple number one during the time of the Nation of Islam. Mm -hmm. And it was the first place where Malcolm X, Rahmatullah Ali ever spoke at when he got out of prison. So my father lived in that neighborhood and he went to the high school that's directly across the street called Central High. So um, his introduction to Islam wasn't uh, Quran and Sunnah as we understand it today, but uh, through the nation. And uh, he listened to the Muslims, uh, the Nation of Islam members speak. And uh, he would also go and eat at the restaurant, which is next door. And after two times hearing the the speeches, he he went back to my grandmother and uh, actually uh, said that he wasn't going to eat pork anymore. And uh, the story goes that she brought him a plate of, uh, she made some pork chops put in front of my father, my father being like a teenager and being somewhat radical, and his thought, he pushed the plate off of away from him onto the floor, and he said, I'm not eating that rat, you know, because in the Nation of Islam mythology, they say that a pig is part dog, part cat, another part rat, wow. so it's a grafted right. animal, right, so, <laughs> so um, but um, just fast forward, my, my parents divorced when I was uh, pretty young, and at the age of six I then went to New York and then uh, to Virginia and I would only come up to visit. And the only thing that I knew about Islam was uh, a picture uh, on the wall of my uh, cousin. Uh, he, all, he all had a picture of Malcolm X, but not Malcolm under Nation of Islam, Malcolm X, it was Al-Hajj Malik as Shabazz and a picture of him with, his, with a beard and that was on the wall. And um, that imagery uh, kept something alive inside me. I never really accepted Christianity. My mother used to send me to Sunday school and all these things growing up. And uh, what really sparked my interest in Islam, uh, oddly, was the, um, the conscious rap music of the late 80s. Uh, many of them would talk about Malcolm X, uh, Reference to Quran. Some of them were Sunni Muslims. Most of them were part of um, so-called five percent nation or Nation of Islam members. Uh, that got me interested in reading the autobiography of Malcolm X at seventeen. Then I read a book on the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and then that's basically what got me into. The practice of Islam and accepting um, the religion or the way of life of my forefathers was actually the bridge of that, was through actually uh, rap music uh, at that time. Unlike the uh, garbage that's out the day that really has no redeeming uh, characteristics, but there were uh, some things that um, uh, the black consciousness movement really. was a bridge of leading a lot of people uh, in my generation uh, into, um, into reading more about Islam and, and exploring Islam. Um, then, just to, just to fast forward some, uh, I began to take uh, some uh, Arabic classes. Uh, I had uh, some teachers that uh, I began to study grammar under and sarf for uh, morphology uh, and other books that began to be uh, read. Um, I then sat with some of the Masha'iq uh, Where was this in Detroit? This is in Michigan, yes, yes, yes. Then um, uh, a teacher um, who taught at the um, Islamic uh, University in Kalapur, Malaysia, which I studied under him for a while and I read Kitab ar risala Shafi with him. Uh, and then I, um, I sat I with some of the shaykhs in, in West Africa. I uh, I first went to uh, to Mali and uh, first to Bamako with Sheikh uh Mahmoud the Hafidahullah, and then I spent some time in in, in Mopti. And may Allah help our brothers and sisters in Mali. The French have done a lot of uh, mischief in arming people commit some uh, violence. And then you know, I, I still consider myself a um, a student, and I don't even like to be called uh, imam or sheikh. I, I'm more of a uh, a person that tries to do shidma for the deen and do some dawa. And um, I think that the only I basically feel I'm in a position to do dawa simply because out of necessity. It's not out of choice, like you know. So I don't. And I'm not seeing this out of false humility. Like I, I don't see myself as an alim, um, even though I've, uh, sat, uh, I've sat with the scholars, but I'm not one of them. So I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. So
2: I'll increase you in your knowledge and I mean, make you and all of us the imams of the mutaqeen. This is a dua of the Quran. And it's not by choice, but someone has to lead the prayer. So even if there's no imam and it's time to pray, someone has to step forward. And usually it's by making yourself available, by being in the front saf, which is like serving, that you make yourself available. And not by choice, but you get pushed forward. And Allah Ta'ala, if any of us are are found in that position, may Allah make us worthy of that. And Allah to fulfill the trust that that comes with. And if you don't mind me asking, that whole awakening that you had, that took place while you were in high school?
3: It started when I was in high school. It started when high school. Yes, it started was, start I was in high school, yes. Because I think,
2: I mean, nowadays it's important, I, I think, for people to understand that, um, that that age is very important. It's very significant. People are more mature than we realize. Our little kids who we look at as babies who are in high school now, they're not babies and they're capable of understanding things intellectually. And we have to stop treating them like babies sometimes, and we have to start treating them like mature, intellectual young minds so that we can shape it properly. And when was it that you actually started taking that journey of like Arabic and studying more seriously?
3: 19. 19? 19, 19, 19 okay. right. But right. The, uh, the issue of- uh, like Right after high school. Yeah, right, right after high school. And, um, but going back to that, and uh, I remember like at 15 or 16 years old, friends of mine, we would sit, uh, and this is to show my age, we were sitting listening to Malcolm X on vinyl. Like it wasn't even cassette. There was a 12-inch record. On one side was The Message to the Grassroots. The other side was The Ballad of the Bullet, the speeches that were given. The uh, Message to the Grassroots was given in, in uh, a church in Detroit not far away. And um, You still have the vinyl? I don't have the vinyl anymore. Shower. But we were sitting back talking about geopolitics at 15 or 16 years old. Like we were talking about, like this opened up our minds. We were talking about COINTELPRO and uh, uh, Jamal Abdul Nasser and uh, other movements that were going on. Um, it opened up us uh, talking about the um, the Islamic movement in, in Nigeria, of, of the uh, Sokoto uh, caliphate of Sheikh Uthman uh, bin Fuli, Rahmatullah Ali. Like we were talking about things then um, that um, were adult conversations that we, we started to open up. And so we were serious. You know, A lot of us were very serious. And, um, but we were introduced to a discourse that was serious. And then we also had some elders that were around, us, I mean by elders I don't mean old. Uh, back in that time when we called someone an old head or an OG, this was someone who was like in their 20s mm-hmm. that would, uh, wouldn't shoo away us teenagers, but at the same time we still gave them a, l- a level of deference or respect that they were people that somewhat we looked up to, right? So. Um, that was a very special time in the late eighties and early nineties
2: and um, were any of those like old cat o g s Muslim yeah, some of them were Muslim okay some
3: of them were there was one brother uh, actually who was a Muslim uh on the Sunnah who came from New York and had moved down to uh to to virginia african american yeah. african American okay. yeah, and this is uh and when I'm talking about this, all these people i'm having discussions with and sitting back listening to these malcolm x um Lectures are talking about uh, Patrice Lumumba and uh, the Algerian Revolution. All of these are, are African Americans. None of them were were uh, of other uh, ethnic backgrounds or racial backgrounds.
1: How how uh, how old were you when you traveled uh, overseas and uh, you know who were your guides to know where to go like uh, to go to Mali and what Obama called Mopti, these different.
3: So I was uh, the first time that I actually went overseas. I was actually in my uh, in my twenties, and part of my urge of going to Mali was twofold. Firstly, uh, I was reading a lot of Afrocentric books. Uh, Sheikh Anta Jop, it's mispronounced Diop, a Senegalese um, historian and writer who actually was part of a Tariqatul Muradiyah, uh, the Tariqah of Sheikh Ahmadou Bamba Ranaouane. Uh, which uh, talked about the Great Malian Empire and Abu Bakr Thani, uh, the very well-known Mensa Musa, and things like this. So, um, just to keep it real, part of my motivation of wanting to go to West Africa was to connect back, which I felt that was kind of like robbed or stolen mm-hmm. from my uh, from my family of the experience of enslavement here, um, and. Uh, that's one. And then also uh, of a, uh, a Malian uh, contact, uh, Brother uh, Mamadou, uh, who actually is uh, friends with my father, uh, who uh, has uh, connections. In, uh, he actually is a Malian, but he had a connection to uh, Bamako as well as uh, Mopti. So that was kind of my, my Malian connection. Mm-hmm.
1: How, how was it? Because like when you go from there, there are things that are cool, there are things that are disappointing, there are things that are confusing. Like how, how, how did you negotiate that, you know, like at, at that age?
3: Um, well, let me say this just in general to anyone who's like a student of knowledge, or you're going and sitting with my shaykh. like it's, it's not romantic. Like don't think that you're going to mm-hmm. go somewhere and you're going to be sitting in this majlis and then people are going to be walking around with the bachur and you're going to sit with this big sheikh and everything is just going to be uh, uh, what you think is illuminated, illuminated. Right. the reality of it is is that uh, you're going to get eaten up by mosquitoes and the mosquitoes in west africa aren't like these little cute mosquitoes in america these are like <laughs> these these are real ones for instance i like for instance they have uh, mosquito nets and i made the mistake of um not using mosquito net and there's this uh stuff that avon has it's called skin so soft That's supposed to help keep off the mosquitoes so i sprayed it on myself but i didn't spray my my feet so i woke up in these Malian mosquitoes ate me up so much that my feet swole to the point that I could not wear shoes, wow. right? So like, even to have like these sandals I have on now, like my feet were swollen, so, like I'm walking around barefoot because my feet are just swollen for about a week wow. just from the the, the mosquitoes, wow. right? So, <laughs> so that's just one uh, aspect, but mashallah, the, uh, the beauty uh, of the people there and the uh, the humanity right it 's like um, traveling there, I can honestly say it 's the first time I ever felt free i what does that mean it 's hard for me to articulate, but just saying like as a um as an african American growing up here, I always felt like I have to like walk on eggshells. Mm because of either the police or self-policing behavior to not seem as a threat to white people, just to keep it real with you. Um, Because I was given that talk and growing up in in Central Virginia, don't drive in these areas after dark. Don't drive there. Um, That's one. Never ever look at a white girl or a white woman, never do that. Because that costs you imprisonment or costs you your life. Like, I was just talked about things, or even the thing about.
1: MashaAllah, now we're told not to look at women in general. So, Alhamdulillah, mashaAllah. For very different reasons. Yeah, 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 right. (laughs) Except for your wife. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Uh, Um, If she's white, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, uh, in general. Right.
3: Um, So, just the the pressure of being black here in America. Uh, And then, um, like, being Muslim, that's just another way of like being further marginalized of like uh, and it seemed as suspect by the dominant culture. So that that honestly, like, had I can admit it, like, had a, a, a toll on me as a uh, as a uh, as a younger person. So when I went to Africa, it's like it's the first time I felt free, like I didn't have to worry about the police and to worry about people looking at me as a threat or because of my skin color. Um, then it's also the other spiritual reasons. Mm-hmm. Hearing the event five times a day is something that's very healing uh, just to hear uh, the event uh, five times a day. And especially in the cadence of those who are West African and calling it according to the Maliki Medheb, where it's not like a song, but it's like it's like a call. Mm. <laughs> and And it's like... It's like, almost like hearing the depths of the souls of the Mu'addinin calling the Um yeah. it's, 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 hard for me, it's hard for me to kind of like, to, to articulate the, uh, the feelings. Mm-hmm. Even when I got off the airplane, I was met by a brother, Yobi, from the, uh, he's Muslim, from the, uh, the Dogon tribe. So there's different uh, tribes there. You have the, the, uh, the Fulani, of course, you have um, uh, Bambara, which is, has a connection to the Mandinka tribe. Uh, you have Dogan tribe, the Bozo tribe, the Bobo tribe. Uh, each tribe and villages are known for their especially The Fulanis or the herders. Uh, then you have some of them, like the Bozo or the fisher, fishermen. Uh, and they do a lot of bartering and trading to this day. Many people even deal with money in the areas close to Burkina Faso in these areas. But when I got off the plane, it was brother Yobi and another brother, I'm forgetting his name. But um, they said Salaamu alaykum," welcome home, and gave me like a hug, and I remember just crying. They said, "Welcome home, welcome home." Never been there in my life. Welcome home. You're in your element.
1: Did you did you feel at home, or after that were you like, man, this mosquitoes done eating my feet? I'm from Detroit.
3: You know, like. <laughs> well, the the, the mosquitoes um, were just a, a slight inconvenience, which I was able to navigate that. But no, I felt totally uh, at home, and I and I felt the same way later on when uh, in traveling to Senegal, like, uh, and there was something that was different, yet something very. Familiar and even many right. african-americans. There's two things many african-americans have been duped about But one is that when you go to West Africa, you literally can see some of our Our um, our expressions that we have as african-americans mirror West Africans, so like mm-hmm. the enslavement of the white man didn't rob us of everything, right? That's mm-hmm. one thing that people we maybe were taken away from our language and languages in our deen yeah. Islam But we weren't stripped of everything. This is number one number two is also the, the call and response culture that we have amongst African-Americans. Yeah. Uh, so like when you're at, at a, at a DARS or like for instance, of, of let's say uh, Sharif uh, Uthman uh, uh and you'll see him speaking, and he'll like say some of his pause, his, his, his he'll, he'll say some of his lecture, and then there'll be a hype man, kind of like a rep he'll go, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh, <that laughs> Allahu Akbar, aywa, yeah. na'am, na'am, and like, it's like, so like everything, he'll do a sentence, and then the guy, na'am, haq, uh, or like, yeah, yeah. and so it's, 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 hard to explain, but it, 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 it's, it's similar to like what we have, like in, uh, African-American music culture, even in the black church, mm-hmm. where the preacher is talking, and the people in in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the front, like, can I get an amen? Get an amen? Amen. 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 And like, like that, that is so African. Wow. Right, it's so African.
1: It's funny, like I actually I actually felt the same way. Like Mortanya, like you shake hands, you go to shake, like she's the big item of the tribe, and you shake hands like this. Like shake hands. And then he will go like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you'll be, and you'll be like, wow, like <laughs> did that just happen? Or like, you know, someone will be like, you, you think you're a student of not? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, that, that, and then but it's like, it's like, wow, that's the same way. Like, you're like. Oh, like you're like yeah. <laughs> you like, know. but uh, even uh, that same yeah, hat we yeah, call it dap. Yeah. So here you call
3: it dap, but yeah. they in in West Africa, dap, uh, dap is African, like is the, like people think it's African American stuff. I mean, they saw it in a rap video. If you're not black, but dap is is West African, straight uh-huh. up. It's straight up West African. I'm, I'm I sure. have it's, a it's straight Mandinka. <laughs> I have a
0: question about what you said. You know, you felt free. Um, yeah. Did part of that feeling of freedom also comes from the fact that you didn't have to like uphold a certain standard that we hold to ourselves as black people in America you know like uh, I've mentioned this once before in the podcast like you know the whole black car thing you know like we have that Mm where we feel like we have to be a certain way even amongst ourselves yeah did you feel free in the sense that you didn't have to like all of that it was just like you could just let that go. And it was all gone.
3: Like what you're talking about, um, that was that was all gone. Wow. And another thing that you're mentioning too is that one of the lies that we've been told is that our people in West Africa don't want us there mm. or wants returning. Like this is something that's like this divide and conquer thing. And mm. likewise, uh, many Africans before they come here, they're told negative things about us or to stay away from us. Mm. But um, when I went there, I, and I've gone to West Africa uh, multiple times, starting from my first time uh, in, in going for those, uh, those, those two years in Mali, yeah. but uh, being in Senegal, being in Ghana, I never felt that vibe, not a single time, where, where I was, where I didn't feel welcome. I felt the welcome home uh, vibe uh, every time, irrespective of tribe, Hausa tribe, wow. Fulani tribe, yeah dagomba uh, tribe oh i I never felt like i was a uh an, an, an outcast no. so I just have to, to to say that uh and and everyone uh who's Muslim be you black or not i I suggest taking a trip to West Africa when covid nineteen was because there's something very uh special uh about the people there and the practice of islam uh the the level of humility and like not like the the fake airs of fake religiosity. Right. Uh, you can experience something a little different, and the people there are very friendly. Oh. And um, uh, I will say though, if you're going to Ghana or Nigeria, there is a level of, of truth of the stereotypes about the issues of maybe someone trying to hit you up for a uh, for a gift, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> being a bribe. Right. So uh, I I've I've uh, I've faced that. Uh, my first time in Accra mm. um, within within the first two hours I w- we were approached for uh, from uh, security uh, agents uh, agents police three different times asking for for bribes so that 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 unfortunately that, that's that's not how it is in Senegal or Gambia or, or Mali but the issue of uh, especially when they see that, that, that blue American passport. Mm. Uh, that, that is a reality. There is some uh, corruption uh, uh-huh. as far as bribes. But then again, the first time I was in Cairo, similar thing going through security, I was asked for the, you know, we were asked to, I was with Imam Suleiman Hamid down in Atlanta, and I remember this. This was maybe in about 2004. And the guy uh, saw our American passports in the group because that was the first time I met Hajj, I was with him he said, ah. Hajj pros? Hajj pros, yeah. yeah. He said, ah. He said, Amerikian. Ain't a hadiah in America? Yeah, as so a Pakistani, was like I'm going to take permission to just,
1: like, dissolve See, into we're like, a,
3: yeah, we're right like, right so, the translation, <laughs> the guy said, oh, you're Americans. Where's my gift from America? So we're like, nahnu khajaj. Subhanallah. The guy was like, he didn't care about whether we were going, like, we were hajis going on pilgrimage. So he, uh, he wanted that, uh, he wanted. Um, a, he, he wanted negative. a Ben. He, he wanted a Benjamin. So unfortunately, he he had ended up. We didn't get through without giving the guy a hundred dollar bill. Hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's unfortunate. May Allah help this Ummah, because I mean, um, unfortunately the, uh, we have these issues uh, in, wow. in, in some places amongst some people.
1: And like to be to be <coughs> fair, like those people also suffered
3: crippling poverty and like
1: buckle yeah. under a system that's. It's been suggested as like not very, not very fair, you have like people, you know, it's, it's one thing like, you have people who have degrees and studied, did everything right in life and still never can get a job, still right. cool, making up money to get married or whatever, desperation leads to whatever, it's still wrong, it doesn't justify it, but Allah, like you said, Allah have mercy on, uh, on this, I and uh, make a way out for those people who are still trying, mean? Yeah. Uh, Another thing I wanted to ask too, is
0: like, so you talked about some behavioral things that you noticed that uh, were similar or like that still persists in African American culture? Was there any other things that stood out? Like I always wonder about foods. Like you know, uh, if there are any things that African Americans typically like eat in our cuisine that are similar to
3: any traditional African foods. Did you notice anything like that? Um. Not. Not as much as the food. Okay. Not as much as the food. I, I sort of although I would I say, I although there's a very popular drink, is known as, uh, in West Africa, it's called a bisop. And I call it African Kool Aid. Basically, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like hibiscus. Hibiscus. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, they call it in, in Sudan, in Egypt, they call it karkade. Yeah, but yeah, in, stuff. but Ooh. it's it's in, in West Africa. It's called bisop, mm-hmm. so it's like I, it's I call it organic Kool Aid. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's 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 African Kool Aid. So it's the hibiscus leaves. What they do is they they heat up the water. I, I make it. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 heat up the water uh, not to a high boil. Mm-hmm. Then they put in the leaves and let the leaves like uh, soak for for a few minutes mm-hmm. uh, to get the, uh, the hibiscus essence out. Then you throw in a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. And stir it up, and it, it's just like like the the mixed Kool Aid we like the, the cherry and the grape. You know what I mean? Back in the day, when you go to the corner store, you get the, the cherry and the grape, right, and you mix right. it up. So that was one of the things we had. The uh, Tristan man, what, African basically, Kool-Aid. what
2: he's saying is, Roscoe's chicken and waffles. That's a that's an American bit. Out. That's yeah. not from Mali. That's not. No, no, problem. no. You're, never, you're not going
3: to find chicken and waffles over there. Yeah. Uh, what you will find from the um, the uh, there's a lot of Lebanese people mm. who are, have migrated uh, to West Africa. So right. you can find, like, a chicken shawarma sandwich. Mm. But you're not going to find, like, any uh, fried chicken and, uh, and waffles, unless you go to the fried <laughs> chicken joint. Like, if you go, like, to, like in the, in the other cities, um, so, like, if you're, like, in... Tuba or in Tawoun um, oh, in, in Tuba. No, 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 in the oh, car okay. you will. Okay, but like you won't find a fried chicken place. You're not gonna find like a KFC or anything like in um, in in Tuba or in uh, Medina Bay and Kalek or like in Tihuawan. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna find it there, but like in Dakar, yeah. you can find like a fried chicken okay. spot or like a hamburger spot, but that's not really. Um, it's like if you're in Morocco, I mean, you can find like a McDonald's, but like, why would you even want to waste your time right. when you're in Fez eating like uh, at the Golden Arches with a uh, with the green? It's actually it's it's, it's actually somewhat like
1: royal with cheese.
3: It's 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 actually in actually Morocco, in my evidence, actually I was offended when I saw McDonald's in Fez. No, I'll tell you why, because there's something about the 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 Maghrabi architecture that where. If you see a building that has a roof that's green, normally there is someone that's buried there who's a descendant of Hassan ibn Ali, right? So, who, so the shurafa in the in the in the buildings like Malaya Idris, or Sidi Abulaziz Debag, you'll see green roofs. Whereas the other ones, they're normally like that brownish type of color. So, like. I'm like, what is it, this? Is like McDonald's Sharif? Like, what is this? Right? because like, <laughs> like, it was it was green. So, no. The first thing I thought about this isn't. This had nothing to do with halal right? Like, yeah, I'm thinking yeah, about like, what is, the world is this? This is this not McDonald's. Like, this, <laughs> yeah, this is like, yeah. This is this is straight up like like wow. what type of like like innovation is this? Like literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, stuff for SubhanAllah. Allah. Ma- Masha'Allah, I'm going
1: gonna, I'm gonna to maybe ca- kind of interject, just uh, indulge myself. Masha'Allah, I had some brothers who studied with me in yeah. um, uh Mahmoudi from Mali. Yeah. Also, he's a Bambara-speaking uh, brother. And uh, he's right now, he runs an orphanage and a Quran school in Sarakunda in, in, in Gambia. Mm-hmm. So, Masha'Allah, you mentioned your teacher. I want to mention, so please make du'a for him. It's a big undertaking. Actually, there's another brother who studied with us, Kimo, from, who is from Gambia used to uh, who used to help run it with him and he uh, a lot took him very early unexpectedly at a young age a okay. lot elevate his rank both of them by the way all of the American <laughs> students who in the English England and uh, english-speaking students who studied in Mauritania they made a lot a lot of khidmat of, uh, for us as well and uh, if anyone wants to help out their orphanage or whatever you mm-hmm. can just like reach out to the podcast and uh, read or reach out to me or, <laughs> or whatever but uh, um, masha'Allah, really beautiful brothers, masha'Allah, so I can somewhat relate a little bit. Um, Shaykh, how did you then make the transition? Because I know, like, for me personally, and, uh, you know, there's a, a, an ascent that you're studying and you're in, getting freed and the shackles are coming off and you're learning and you're immersing yourself in this world. And then there's, like, the crash back into, like, back into the dunya where you're like, oh, okay, chains are back on. But now we know too much, we can't like live the way we did before, and we have to interact with um, forget about America not being a predominantly Muslim society. We have to interact with the reality of a depressing reality of a Muslim community that doesn't really care about Islam as much as recognize it. You know like, how was that reentry for you? Did you navigate it easier than I
3: did? Or well, I don't know if it was e- easy for uh, I would say easy. And, but. And
2: on top of that, the fact that, you know, we talk about as Muslims. Trying to like live in a society that isn't predominantly Muslim, yeah. a lot of interfaith, you come from the interfa- interfaith family.
3: Yeah. Right? So,
2: all those dynamics.
3: Yeah, alhamdulillah. Um, well, I think that there's a couple of things that um, uh, perhaps help to aid me or assist me. Number one, I came back and I had a fabulous uh, mentor, uh, Imam Salim Abdul Rahman, uh, who I came to, I knew one thing, I, kn- I knew that I needed a Morabi, like I, I knew that as part of our tradition mm-hmm. anyway, so. Can you, you explain this concept? Okay, a I, I, so um, a Morabbi basically we say, let's just say spiritual mentor. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had a spiritual mentor that was helping to raise me up and basically check me, right? Um, when I was in my, um, I was in my mid-twenties. And um, he helped me out uh, significantly and when he saw me being uh, or being like extreme in certain things, he would kind of like rope me in and talk to me. Um, and then also what helped too is I would say my connection to, and I just have to keep it real uh, for you all, is that the influence of how I learned this Dean and the influences that were on me so uh I never got into like that uh pseudo Salafi cancel culture. Or I wasn't gonna like uh you know, I had no interest on coming back declaring everyone else that I was practicing something different as a deviant. Or I wasn't going to like disassociate myself from dealing with like my family members who aren't Muslim. Like like I mean so if anything, I want to be close to them and be kind to try to show them that this dean has done something for me, and perhaps it could help, you know, you too, if you like, to learn about it and accept it, right? So that was never, that was never my position to like completely like cut myself off, um, because I I I do know some people that went other places and and went to uh, extremes, and I'll and without mentioning his name, I'll give you, uh, I was mentioning there's a there's a, uh, an imam in this area who's African-American, who's uh, older than I am. He went to Umokora University in, in Mecca, and uh, his, his brother also went and studied, too. And when he came back, he came very uh, strict, saying that everyone else was mm-hmm. astray. And in a khutbah uh, and I know two people um, who are witnesses, one African-American brother who left his jama'ah, another uh, elder brother, uh, Abdul Hamid Vaid, uh, may Allah protect him, uh, immigrant from Pakistan told me that they were in the khutbah. He talked about in the khutbah how his mother never accepted Islam, and he was giving, uh, he was trying to get his mother to accept Islam on her deathbed. Um, Similar is yeah. like what we have narrated about the Prophet <laughs> and Abu Talib, for instance, right? So, he said that she died and accepted Islam. And he said, my mother died a kafira, and may Allah have her burn in the Nar. And, um, you know, so what I'm saying is I know of people personally who... Uh, went on a search for knowledge, and where it took them, it, it took them into something that's supposed to be light, but darkness. Mm-hmm. And this is why uh, we have the the hadith about Islam, Iman, Isan because just studying. I mean, we have to study Aqida, obviously, but the study dry Aqida and uh, Fiqh, which I would say they don't even have sound usul to begin with. But, and fiqh, but, or foundations, but to separate that from tesawuf, right, that it can lead people into some very uh, dark places. So I'm not even using the word Tezgia. I'm saying tesawuf, that part of this deen is, 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 is tesawuf. And uh, uh, show me someone who's gone abroad to these places to study sacred knowledge and was totally to detached from Tasawa for Tariqah and um, there's going to be problems. There's going to be problems. Uh, yeah, I mean, to
1: be to be sure, right? Uh, such an attitude is not sanctioned by the dean. Uh, you gave the example of Abu Talib, the standard position of the Ahlul Sunnah Jama'ah, which is narrated by narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi with Sahih chains. Many of them is that Abu Talib didn't accept Islam. You don't ever hear the Prophet walking around. I mean, he was good to him during his lifetime. You don't hear the Prophet going around and making him go off to be in the fire. You know, you don't hear that. You know, you don't hear. Uh, you know, the Prophet told people to curse their their mothers. Allahu um, Walid, Yeah. ibn Abi Jahl. In fact, the Prophet forbade people to yeah. forbade others from cursing their fathers after they became Islam, because he says, "What's the point of cursing the dead? It just harms the living." Yeah. You know. Um, so that's that's really that's that's really shocking. Like that someone would do that about their own mother. Maybe the brother had a good intention in the sense that he wanted to make himself firm on his own aqidah but you know, we can't just, you know, have it our way. We have to follow the correct belief but also follow the the example of the Prophet yes, who did so not do it that. It's a situation. very inhuman
3: thing to do. Yeah, it's very inhuman. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And as a part of the blessing that perhaps you had of having Murabi that spiritual mentor to kind of keep you in check and why that is so vital in the life of a Muslim, yeah. especially in the path of learning because a little knowledge is actually sometimes worse than no knowledge. The moment you start learning something, if it's not, if it's not framed in the right way, then it could be, uh, it could cause more damage than harm. I mean, more damage than good. No doubt. And I, and, I ha-
3: and, I have, and I have one right now. So it's like when he, when he passed away, then I got in Morabi and I and I tell right. people this that every, and I'm not even saying this. I'm not even calling myself this, but I said that every Sheikh has a Sheikh, hmm. right? And there's elders of uh, people who taught us uh, knowledge and taught us things that we should go back out of out of and, and and respect to 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 visit them and also to brush up on our lessons, uh, but also those that help guide us because the 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 ego. Is inclined towards self-deception, right? And Sheikh uh, Ahmad uh, Al Bamba, may Allah be well pleased with him, in in, in, in the Masalik Al he talks about this issue of the of the of the ego and the and the most um, dangerous of spiritual diseases, as he calls it, is Al Kibr is is arrogance. So um, I always say that, Nabi Musa Alayhi Salam, was a prophet. And he had a, a spiritual guide, right? And, and, and he's a prophet, right? And we're not getting Wahi, right? So it's like, who do we think we are? Because uh, we got a little bit of, a little teeny bit, one, maybe not even a drop worth of ilm in the bahar of a of, of loom, no. right? We got maybe a little, uh, an atom of, of, of a drop of water, you know, yeah, and nothing from no, the, ocean. Maybe of the water, ocean water vapor maybe and, 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 and yeah water vapor nothing that what Musa alayhi salam had and he hmm. had a, a guide so who do we think that we are that we don't need uh, some mentorship and, and, and guides and teachers it's really it's, it's it's really bizarre uh... to for me to even hear people uh... say that they don't they don't think that they need to check in with anyone or they don't need any sort of uh, um, mentorship is, is really bizarre.
2: I'm going to use this as kind of a segue towards something also very important that you're directly involved in mm-hmm. which is social activism. Yeah. So especially someone in your line of work yeah. where you have to represent Muslim stances and sometimes those can be uncomfortable. Yeah. And you have a lot of people who are you know activists who are well intended but you can be well intended and misguided. So in that kind of fervor to do the right thing and speak, you know, speak the truth, um, it's very easy to have some missteps, yeah. right? So how then do you make sure that you stay within the parameters of our dean when tackling issues that our society are dealing with? Because you have recently a book published towards sacred activism, yes. right? Which can, you know, almost seem like a paradox to some. Because if you're engaged in the world, then how is that sacred, right? Um, that's what Imam Zaid was writing about. Your book I had read his yeah. little um, uh, review on it, and uh, so, so that's that's your, your line of work. So how do you kind of reconcile that?
3: Well, let me say that I've made many mistakes over the years, hmm. and I probably will make more mistakes. It may Allah protect us all, okay. and and. Uh, and as you mentioned, too, uh, my my late teacher, Imam Salim, I remember one day he looked at me. <laughs> uh, we were um, in a hadith class, and he just looked at me, and he said, he put his hand right here. He said, "Daud, he said, remember, you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. Like having good intentions, That that is... Uh, a matter of the heart, and that is the foundation, but just feeling sincere. And he's like, This deen is not based upon uh, feelings alone. This deen is based upon ilm and nasiha, and referring back. And uh, then uh, he, he mentioned that the scholars are the, are the heirs of the inheritance of the prophets, and we need to refer back to them, authentic hadith of the Prophet. Um, so that's one thing I just wanted to clear up. The other thing is that, besides, I think every activist needs a spiritual mentor, and a spiritual guide, and someone who is per, uh, not uh, so-called in the trenches of the activism world and the activism vibe. Because that's like a whole different world, really. It's, it's a world within the world. Um, I. The, the advice of, uh, of Yahya Ibn Mu'adh, uh, Rahmatullah Alayh, where he said that if you cannot bring benefit, then at least do no harm. And this is something that I think is very difficult for people to understand that if you, if you have confusion, like the Hadith, leave what makes you doubt for that which doesn't make you doubt. So when there are gray matters, and if you don't have an answer and different people that you've made mashura with or had consultation with uh, regarding issues of people who are of, 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 of deen, um, that it's okay to sit still and to figure things out. Like, we don't have to share everything or jump on the bandwagon of every campaign and that sukut uh, uh, is the default position. Like, if you don't know what to do, then just be quiet, right and I think that and that's probably the best advice that I can give uh, for young people, especially who are thinking about activism and all the things going on right now with the 2020 election or the uh, the protests down in the street, that if you are if you are not sure about the issue or about the means of how to address the issue because For us, the ends don't justify the means, Mm -hmm. right? Um, It's okay to ask Allah for hidayah, which we all should be doing, and to sit still for a moment, and to try to refer to those and get advice to those who are in the work, but also who are coming from a prophetic lens. And to be frank with you, there are not really that many people in our community in this activism uh, situation they're dealing with the, the issues of social justice or racial justice or uh, Islamophobia, um, there are not too many people that I can actually can point towards mm-hmm. to that are operating uh, from, this, from this, 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 uh, this, this paradigm. I, I could point out some names, mm-hmm. but there's, okay, my colleague Hassan Shibley down in, 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 in Florida, I CARE is one of them. My colleague uh, uh, Basim El Karra, who's in Sacramento, care Sacramento, he's we were We
1: people. were in the MSA together. We used to go to <coughs> MSA West conferences back in the day, mashallah. Mashallah. He's a beautiful brother. Uh,
3: Dr. Rami N- Nashashibi, uh, who runs Iman in, in, in Southside Chicago. Uh, Usteda uh, Aisha Prime, who's actually, she's in, she's in West Africa right now, in the Gambia. But who's in uh in, in DMV area, like so? There's some people who are involved in activism, and is not saying like none of us are masumin. Like we all make mistakes, and we've all perhaps maybe said certain things that are questionable. But I mean, at least I'm talking about people, at least who have, ihtiram uh, for the tradition, who have a who have a, a, a or who have a sheikh and who and who respect uh the, the 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 creed of islam or people of the sunnah and who uh have respect for 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 spiritual purification and, tariqah and these things right so uh, there there's and i'm not saying these are the only ones but i'm saying there's some other people i can name i just want the name drop a few people but again um i don't really see a a, a lot of people who are um i, I feel very uncomfortable with uh, with certain things that I've seen from certain activists, and especially those who their organization, their platform has been primarily funded by non-Muslims, hmm. who've gotten foundation money right. and and gotten and gotten uh, elevate to certain platforms and certain deals uh, because these people who are who are pushing them it and funding them, they. If I can use this term, um, and uh, may Allah preserve uh, Ustad Abdullah bin Hamid Ali, Uh, I heard him use this term uh, imanophobia, right? So you have certain people on the conservative right, they have what we may call Islamophobia, meaning that they have a loathing for Muslims, but they view us basically as like a non-white group, like like some sort of like uh, fifth column, non-white group outside of what they would consider to be whiteness and all of those implications. Those people don't like Muslims. Lord. Whereas, imanophobia, there are people who say they want to have so-called solidarity with the Muslims, but they actually have a loathing for our actual beliefs. They have a lo- loathing for our Sharia, Lord. right? So, they will fund us and like us as long as, as long as we get into their so-called intersectional agenda and promote what they want us to promote, like promote um, uh, abortions even towards thir- third term, to promote uh, prostitution, which they have tried to relabel as sex work, to try to promote the LGBTQ agenda and, 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 and have them uh, 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 stand side by side with 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 lesbians at the women's march. They'll fund that. They'll celebrate that. You know, you'll get on TV and you maybe get a book deal and all sorts of things when you do that, right? But, um, but they're cool with those types of Muslims. But the actual our actual beliefs, what's sacred, they actually see that as regressive, not progressive, and they actually. Um, want Muslims to relinquish that, so they're trying to reshape the Muslims from within, and that's why uh said Abdullah. I first heard him say they have emanophobia. So you pick your poison, right? And and neither one of these groups are awliya. We we have to be a little more uh, smart as far as our political uh, uh, calculations. Um, it's but, interesting. He, yeah. he
1: just put out a paper also. Uh, about, a very, about a very good paper about how Muslims need to just re uh, 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 reanalyze and reassess the political landscape in America and not to be so simplistic and simple-minded yeah. and I'll be frank with you, you know, Sheikh uh, uh, Abdullah is a, a man of controversial tastes and controversial takes yes. not all of his like things that he says that I agree with but then again if you're a person who transacts in the intellectual and not all of them that I disagree with uh, but like, you know, a person who transacts an intellectual currency um, that person should look at ideas, not personalities the judgment right. of people is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, the judgment of ideas, we take what we like and we leave the rest and we go back and forth and explore and, and whatnot. but like he does make some very solid points in regards to this uh, in regards to this uh, issue and um, you know, recently, relatively recently, I, I also myself put out a paper about um, the the difference between the idea that black lives matter, which is a part of our deen, you know, if you think that a black person, a person is any more or less human because of their color, be it black, white or whatever, um, you have contravened the the book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet <laughs> as a pure philosophical issue, it's kufr. If you because you if you especially if you're aware of the fact that the Allah and Israel do directly negate this idea. But uh, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, itself like the people who run the website and have the copyright and sell the merch and all that stuff that have the foundation money um, it's really not even an african american movement at all it's it's very directly a lgbtq movement um and i f- i mean like I, someone might say well you're not you're not African American you have no right to speak about this well okay we're I'm, I'm an American so I can shoot my mouth off a little bit right i if I was a black person, I would be offended when somebody like Okay, I'm not in favor of like, oh look, you're gay, so we should beat you up in the street and like kill you, right? That's wrong, you know, you don't have the right to do that to another human being, right? But if someone were to say, oh look, uh, I, I, you know, this is my sexual preference and that's the color you were born with and we're on the same platform it's both civil rights issues, I'd be like, I'd be really offended about that, you know? And like, no, it's, w- not it's, it's not the same. And unfortunately, I feel like there's like this ride, like this, the issue of, the humanity and the human dignity of african americans in this country has been put on the back burner for so long that there are many people both in the african-american <clears throat> community and outside of it now that there's a well of like support um I guess like some people have become almost drunk on it like they don't they don't and feel free to like completely hack me down shoot me that's why i want that's why i like being on this podcast because yeah. i know that i can run my ideas about you and you'll say the hack, and like I'll, I'll benefit from it you know is that like i feel like some of our brothers have become drunk on that a little bit and have ceased to like uh hold on to their uh hold on to their their principles because of the fear that if we hold on to our principles in this one moment while we still have the power to strike and and like hit who we want to hit and do what we want to do um that that we might lose it and unfortunately those are the moments where you see what your real principles are at all
3: so exactly and that's the that's what fitna is designed for is to show you what you're really made of and I would say to the brothers and sisters who are watching this especially who are African-American or black American whatever uh, nomenclature that you prefer is that we have to be as Muslims we have to be grounded in our faith and our tradition mm-hmm. and ultimately Nusra or help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't come from any uh, When we look at it, we we can't confuse means with the ultimate cause. The ultimate cause for success is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not any sort of political party or any sort of foundation or any uh, uh, organization in and of itself. So this is the, the, the first thing that we have to get clear. The second thing is the very definition of blameworthy tribalism that the Sahaba asked the Prophet about mm-hmm. when they asked him, al Asabiyya, Ma a Mal Asabiyya is narrated in Sunan Abi Dawood with the Hassan chain. Uh, he said, And to ina Qawmaka ala Right? is to help your people in wrongdoing. Right? So, uh, Mal Asabiyya, Yani, what is? Oh, Asabiyya right. is the blameworthy tribalism, right? Uh, so, um, and the answer So, so, is? so, 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 so the, to so, Uh, or the blameworthy tribalism is to help your people in wrongdoing. And and as dhulm, from a a shari perspective, the first way we understand this is when people take things outside of their proper places, right? So that that Allah intended them to function it. So um, it's not just supporting people just because they're black in of itself because this is the moment, is that if, and, and we all can agree uh, that the issues of systemic police brutality and mass incarceration, the criminal injustice system, is zoom, no doubt about it. But it is very possible for us to be of a group that's mazluma and be a zalim at the same time. I mean, we, uh, we, we can be oppressed and still be involved in wrongdoing at the same time. And um, we are not sanctioned according to uh, the noble deen that's been transmitted by the noble companions of the Prophet, so salam, and the tabi'in, and all of these asanid, um, or chains of transmission that we have, there is no sanction for us to openly promote the munkarat or those things that are hateful inside of Allah, and his Prophet, Sallallahu and to celebrate it, right? I mean, to the point that we have um, Muslims... Who, in the name of of, of Black Lives Matter, or even before, will go to parades and 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 dance, in uh, in so-called pride parades and, and play instruments, uh, sing songs, playing the guitar, and and and, and it's, it's like and it's it's ajib, like, I would have never thought. Like, if, you, if someone would have asked me this in 2000, I would have thought it was a joke, like, like that Muslims would be doing this stuff now, right, in the name of, uh, of, of, of woke organizing and woke uh, activism. But here, here it goes. Um, but the prophet said, uh, uh, glad tidings to the strangers. So uh, may Allah always keep us strangers, that we think this stuff is 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 just is not normal. It's not right, but uh, that's
2: that that's where <laughs> the knowledge and being connected to people of knowledge is essential, yeah. because it helps uh, establish and identify the parameters within which we can work. Yeah. And going back to your whole concept of like sacred activism, yeah. right? Activism, which one can maybe call mundane because it's of the world it becomes sacred when it's done according to <coughs> the guidelines of our deen and the, our, our beloved prophet the Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. and you can't you can't uh, disconnect the two so even one of the more famous verses which are used to um, uh, promote activism the enjoining of good amr bil maruf wa nahiyan al-munkar the joining of good and prohibition of evil where Allah Ta'ala describes us as Kuntum ummatin nas that you are the best of humankind or uh, best of all nations sent for the benefit of humankind munkar <coughs> that you enjoy the good, you prohibit the evil. What to no it's qualified in this that you believe in Allah, that it ha- you have Iman. So yeah. you're not just doing that blindly or based on your own kind of sensibilities of what you think is right or wrong. Otherwise if you, we leave it to our sensibilities, people differ on this. This isn't like a Muslim issue only. People differ on these issues and um, in those cases now where we differ about as, as a people, as, as, as human beings, about what is ethical, what is moral, what is immoral. Where then do we revert? Where do we, where do we turn to? It has to be within the, the understanding of Iman and Iman belief in our society unfortunately has been kind of just deemed as something which is in your heart and something which you you believe in is just something which you think to be okay Whereas it's loosey-goosey it's very loosey-goosey it's very relative it's something very left ambiguous and relative to the individual like well I believe this as Muslims we don't have that luxury to say simply well to me this is what I believe There's, Islam has has very clearly defined what it means to believe and we have to align our belief with what islam defines as
3: belief or don't be muslim well look in so-called woke spaces sheikh they promote this thing that muslims have have many muslims have latched onto. they say well you know what said you have your truth you have your truth she has her truth right uh they have their truth meaning they're not a male or a female and they're and they're equally true which is
1: interesting because the al uh, haq you know, the truth, the ultimate truth, ultimate reality, is one of the names of Allah Ta'ala, no. and Allah Ta'ala is la sharika, he has no partners. That's right. You know, and we have, we have like, you know, there are many things even in the deen that we say we don't know what the truth is, but we acknowledge there is a truth. And uh, that's all extremely problematic. It's, it's easy for people like myself and Sheikh Musa to say, actually it's not even easy for us to say, but it's easy for us to say why, because we primarily operate within, mm-hmm within like masjid spaces uh, uh, or in academic settings. And I don't want to speak for you, so you can definitely hack me down if I'm wrong. You actually, you actually operate in a political space. I'm wondering how is it that you're able to function in the space that you function and like not just get like, like you know, like, like you get like <coughs> like shot out of the sky, like, you know, saying these things. Like, how has that journey been Uh, you know how is it like what advice do you give to someone who wants to because the thing is the deen is the deen is not only like uh, hemmed into the four walls of the masjid or the madrasa it is it is manifested in society and it is manifested in politics as well as business as well as so many other things how is it that 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 you have been able to survive in that space without being like you know level seven canceled out like you know to the you know hundredth
2: power
3: <laughs> yeah, you use
2: that term cancel culture.
1: Canceled, earlier. Yeah, right. some people have canceled. Right,
3: right. It's right. okay. Right. Uh, I would see. There's something. Um, there, there's there's a few things um, that I've tried to uh, incorporate, uh, both from my own way of doing things, uh, why why I concluded very early on years ago, and then uh, also from my own uh, my own morale, and the first of those issues that i always try when i go into these gatherings i always present my views in a very direct way from day one from the very moment i don't start off loosey-goosey and i present my views and how i view things on certain things from step one in a and i try to be firm yet kind in my firmness why is because when I have seen some people get themselves in trouble that really don't believe in all this stuff. They start off kind of overly apologetic or overly accommodating, I should say. And then, okay, you make this one compromise in this moral issue where you stay silent. And then they keep on trying to move the yardstick further and further and further and further back. And then when you try to put your foot down and say, no, I can't do this, so, what's that? Oh, well. Why why are you doing that now? Well, you were with us on this, this and this. Oh, 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 you're oh you are you're, you're a bigot. Right? So you put your you have to you have to lay it down. We so say you have to put your your foundation down from day one. Michelle. And then people may not agree with you, but they will respect, they will you. respect that. Right? And, and and this is what we learned from Al Hajj Malik Shabazz, Rahmu People many people didn't like him. But he commanded their respect. And this is interesting, too, even in the idiom of how we say in English. We don't beg for respect. We command respect is what we say. So I, I, so I try to start off with, with that. Right, we know of this saying. Whoever seeks honor with other than Allah, they're going to be humiliated. Right, preserve, so this is number one.
2: May Allah preserve your izzah and your dignity. I mean,
3: And then the, 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 the second thing... Uh, besides this is I I just always try to uh, remind myself that um, trying to represent this Dean is not supposed to make one popular or well liked by people in the dominant society right and by these people who don't have respect for Islam, Iman, and Isan, right? So whether, whether, whether these people who, who don't value these things, like me or not, including many Muslims, frankly, who are cultural Muslims, only respect Islam, Iman, and Isan, what they, what they care, uh, what they think about me is really the least of my concerns. And yeah, I, I, maybe I don't get uh, mainstays or invited to some of the Muslim alphabet uh, conventions or conferences. And get the main stage, and you know maybe I'm not being invited to get this honorarium or that honorarium, but um and or be famous, but that's okay, I'm not looking for that anyway and besides um I'd rather be i'd rather be known in the Malcouot than here I'm not, I'm not and and so I'll oh, to raise the both uh, I mean,
2: yeah. mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, right? Because a lot of times I think people understand things in extremes, and they think that if you're not going to support a particular group or movement, that means you have to be like completely against it. In a sense, where like, um, and and youngsters have I think a problem. Um, I, I think uh, uh, rec- reconciling this this matter mm-hmm. that if they can't accept. Um, homosexuals and for <coughs> their sexuality, that means they have to hate them. Right. Or that they have to disrespect them or discriminate against them. And it's so really like we have other
1: stuff in the day to do than to try to hack somebody else down because of what they do in their bedroom or whatever. it's right. not a priority. We have right. stuff. we have yeah, our own like first of all, like ourselves. we don't
2: think we, we don't need to hear that. Like yeah. about what you're you know what, what you, you do, do in your bedroom. life. Yeah. In the same way I'm not trying to broadcast what we do in our bedroom. Right? Yeah. That's something very personal yeah, number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And number two, like you can still be respectful to a human being and without discriminating against them, right? Because they have a particular lifestyle. Right. So as Muslims, we're expected to do that. We're not expected now to discriminate against a person because of their sexuality or because they have some gender reassignment, right? right. But I don't have to agree with that decision. That's, as a Muslim, that's the stance that we have, right? right? That we don't have to agree in the same way you don't have to believe that say, the Muhammad Sassan was a prophet so if you Muhammad. choose not to, or you don't exactly. have to believe that you have to pray five times a day but you should at least respect me and not discriminate against me. So, like, in the same way as a Muslim, like, um, don't expect us as Muslims to accept everything wholesale about what you believe or, what you, you know, whatever lifestyle choices you make. And at the same time, that doesn't mean that now I have to, like, discriminate against a person or hate them or, or like, uh, marginalize them. Right.
3: Well, I'll give you an example. I was in this about a decade ago. I was part of this fellowship uh, with the Rockwood Leadership Institute. Was, uh, we met in uh, in Minneapolis, actually who was part of the cohort, is now the current uh, Lieutenant Governor of the state of Minneapolis, uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan. She's a uh, First Nations woman, Native American woman. I was part of it, but also part of this was this individual who, who um, Identified as being a trans woman, and of course these people are, uh, and this happened to me on two different occasions. Another fellowship that I did uh, through a um, like a graduate level thing through a, a major university, which I'm not going to mention, um, so out in the West Coast, they paired this person up with me because you know they they, they want to break the imam. So in this particular. Uh, leadership institute, I was paired off with this person identified as a trans woman. The second one, they, they, they paired me off with a, uh, a Pakistani lesbian Muslima who does uh, LGBTQ organizing here and in Pakistan. She actually is the she's actually a morita of that gay imam in DC. Um, um, anyway, long story short, my uh, self-identified trans uh, peer partner asked me, uh, "Well, you know, do you know any EMAs that will, you know, what they do a, a a marriage, you know, a, a trans marriage?" And I was like, "Absolutely not, right?" I was like, "No," and she says, "Well, I
1: guess e- theoretically, if yeah. if it's like a." trans man and a trans woman there is one
3: man and woman so yes, you think true. I could be valid that's but true, like, that's, true. Yeah. that's true that's true. not in the way that you wanted not yeah, the way that she yeah, wants yeah, right yeah, yeah. so even though she's not a Muslim right so <coughs> I said absolutely not and that's a good uh, that's, that's a good caveat if you guess if you had a trans man could marry a trans woman, it's actually a biological woman and a biological man, so yeah, yeah. That, 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 that could work I guess but <laughs> wouldn't do it in the masjid. but um um, so that question came about, so it's like, well, you know, well, what can we work together on? I said, look, the, the, the faith of Islam and the Qur'an did not justify vigilantism or maiming or killing people by people taking the law in their own hands, right? Mm-hmm. right? I didn't quote that, that ayah. But, you know, we're not supposed to just go out and just kill or maim and harm people. And I said that, um, you know, we think that people should be free from being because of hate crimes or bullied in school, right? So uh, based upon if they're perceived to be gay or if they are gay, because sometimes I remember this in school. I don't know how it was with you growing up, but we saw someone that was a little didn't play football or we thought was a little uh, a little more uh, yeah, Feminine, effeminate right. and we would call him you know we call him gay in a second even though he wasn't even gay because sometimes people would, would, would be bullied or, or considered like if they like art or something like that they didn't play football so I mean you fat. You, right? So I mean just right we used to say stuff like that right which is so that's not right for a learning environment so just a prime example she says well this person said well, you know, I'm kind of disappointed about the marriage thing, but I thank you for your candor, and at least there's certain things that uh, if we were in a coalition, we could uh, be on the same page. So when there was about eight or nine years ago, the strengthening of the um, of the, uh, anti-bullying law in Michigan for schools, and it wasn't organized by LGBTQ group, it was organized by one group and they asked us to be a part of it because there were two things missing from the law. It was still legal in the state of Michigan that there was no repercussions according to state mandate for children protections for being bullied because of religion but also because of uh, sexual identity or preference. So we signed on to the strengthening of that bill and so did that LGBTQ group and when we had the press conference and it ended up being passed, when we had the press conference there was like the pastor at the front of the rostrum or the podium and I was standing over there and there were some other people and on the other side was the person that identified as trans being with the with, the, uh, with, with that organization right so because um, we don't want anyone to be Beat up or bullied in school, even if they identify as that, and we, especially uh, at that time, um, Muslim children in Detroit uh, and South Asians in particular were the recipients of the highest percentage of bullying in schools in the state of Michigan. Were Indian, Pakistani, and Bangladeshi kids. So, um, I mean, we were, we were, you know, and I treated that person with respect and saw them again. I mean, obviously I'm not going to endorse their, the program of their organization or lifestyle, but that, that's an example of how we were part of a broader coalition and, I, and we weren't going to pull out just because this uh, LGBTQ group was in it. And we we, we treated the person with respect and, um, and I'm sure that individual, if they still work for there, they can never say that uh, in any way, was I uh, disrespectful to 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 lesbians and to people who call themselves uh, trans?
0: Um, and one last thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, uh, talking about all of these uh, subjects, uh, you know, you said that you listened to like hip hop and rap, you know, back in the day. Yeah, I And did. Uh, you know, there was this flipping of the situation where hip hop used to be all about educating yourself empowering yourself and then it became something that really just dumbed the people down and uh kind of still persists that way these days um have you noticed or have, has anyone noticed that it's been kind of the same thing that happened with this whole subject of like labels at one point there was this really big thing about like not applying labels to people but now that is the name of the game everybody's got these labels and they want to use them at every instance you know I just wanted to bring that up because talking about that subject, I kind of just wondered, like you know, I don't know why things get reversed sometimes uh, culturally here in America. It just it seems really weird. Like at one moment it's one way, and then all of a sudden it just completely reverses, like a one eighty. But um.
1: What do you mean by labels? Like labels,
0: like yeah. give an example. Um. So for example, the whole LGBTQ thing. You know, at one point there was like. You know, you don't want to be labeled as something like it was a really strong movement of like not using labels to describe people, but now it's all about that. You know, like you go on Twitter and all over the internet, you know, you have these things where it's like, you know, he/she, you know, they want to be identified as this and that. So it just it just seems like there was a, re- a complete reversal of this thought process of not applying labels to people, and then all of a sudden now everyone wants to label everything a certain kind of way just it just
3: came up as a thought well I'll give a metaphysical re- and I know what what, what the uh, the Sheikane say about this but um, I think there's a I won't say metaphysical but there's perhaps a, a spiritual answer and then there's a social political one so spiritually speaking we know that as we get closer to the end of time and the appearance of the Dajjal that it's, it's part of the plan that People will be confused, and Imam Ghazali in Ikhya, in the uh the, the or the 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 mentioning the Hadith uh, al-Iraqi did this. But there's a, a section in the in the chapter that you mentioned on mm-hmm. al-Amal al and Nahi al-Munkar, joining good and forbidding evil, where it says, uh, "How will you be when you see the mahroof as munkar, and how will you be when you see the munkar as mahroof? Uh-huh. How will you be when you see the evil as good?" And then you'll see the good is evil, right? So we, we, we have a mention of this. And we know as we come closer to the end of time and the sounds, the signs of the hour are manifesting, that there's going to be more confusion, right? Mm-hmm. So and, um, and may Elijah as what you have us see truth is truth and follow it. Mm-hmm. and may align as what you have us see is, uh, falsehood is falsehood and stay away from it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the second point is that it's actually this reassignment is part of, of an agenda. So when, even when people use this term unapologetically Muslim, they, don't, they may not even know that the roots of it comes from a movement that was carefully designed and wordsmithed to try to reassign things in order to promote certain things. So it was, it was unapologetically gay, unapologetically lesbian. Mm-hmm. And then so within these identity politics, then Muslims start saying unapologetically Muslim. But if you go back and trace the roots of where this so-called unapologetic mm-hmm. comes from, and, and, it, and by the way, when people say unapologetically Muslim, they only mean unapologetically Muslim with the right. They don't mean unapologetically Muslim about Iman right. with right. the left, right? right. 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 It, it, it's only unapologetically Muslim is treating Muslim as some sort of quasi-ethnic or, or social political identity. I mean, it's, it, it's it doesn't mean to be unapologetic about oh uh, Islam is, is against uh, 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 is forbidden to, to have sex out of wedlock and only a man and a woman can be married oh it's 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 permissible in Islam that if a man can be just he can have up to four wives mm. right uh, that we, we that just got canceled anyway go on. <laughs> no no that 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 intoxicants yeah. are forbidden yeah. that gambling forbidden and yeah. we and we For, don't compromise riba, is forbidden. Yeah, riba right uh, so uh, in usually yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's really interesting you mentioned that like even the term islamophobia i'm like islamophobia like when i first heard that i'm like you have like homophobia and
3: arachnophobia
1: and we ain't right. gay and we ain't spiders like what is islamophobia all about right. you know but it just kind of caught on and like you got to roll with it you know
3: mm-hmm. Well, I, I've actually stopped using that term personally when I do writings and things, or speak, I say, I'll say anti-Muslim bigotry, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But sure. I, I stopped using Islamophobia, because really Islamophobia, for the most part, is not fear of Islam. Mm-hmm. At best, it's Muslim phobia. right? Perhaps, right. but it's, it's, but there is Emanophobia, right? right? And, and, that's, mm-hmm. and that's real. So for those who are watching, who are activists, if you are gonna be concerned about Islamophobia, you should also be concerned about Imanophobia, because mm. we're a people of Islam and Iman. And right. also, just calling Islamophobia for what it is, which is Muslim bigotry. It's Muslim bigotry. Yeah, so yeah. that's, that's what it is. So,
1: Sheikh, uh, uh, we've taken a lot of your time, uh, and uh, we know that you are busy, and we appreciate. Like anybody who who doesn't, uh, uh, you know, who wants to know why we would say that, go check out uh, Imam Dawood's uh, social media. His Twitter and his uh, uh, Facebook and see all the different things that he's doing the good work Carrie Detroit is doing um, etc uh, the books that he's written right one we mentioned was towards sacred activism and where is your pre- preferred uh, 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 means for them to get it dot Mecca if you books. can
3: get towards sacred activism yeah. and uh, there's also online on their YouTube page there is for each chapter there is a, uh, a reader uh, basically or a guided reading for each chapter where basically I talk about some small points wow. and uh, inshallah when things open back up then I will be uh, and maybe we can do this online but I will be available to teach the class on it because I have a whole session of classes with powerpoint presentations set to actually teach the book the book was written really to be a primer as a short guide because I know that people don't read big books these days but it was designed to be a class. So the first class session we had was a weekend intensive in Mississauga with Sheikh Faraz is where we kicked off the, uh, the classes and it's been we've talked about in other, I think the last thing online I did was with our beloved brother, Sheikh Arsalan Haq, down in, Dallas, in Texas. Yeah, yeah, down in Dallas that we did it with the uh, East Plano Islamic Center. Uh, so, um, you know, this also uh, opportunity. Sheikh Arsalan I think is in, in the, uh, uh, not in Epic, he's in the old Plano, Mustard. Shakespeare Party is an epic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah And then uh, and the other one in Plano. So um, you know, there's there's also uh, uh, classes that are designed around it and in, in discussion, and we've discussed this book with uh, students from uh, from Detroit to Denmark mm-hmm. and from South Africa to Seattle. Yeah. Right, North and, North and so uh, you know, we're we're yeah. open. We're open to. Uh, you know online if you, if you contact me uh, we're, we're willing to, uh, to do something so what is the that.
1: exorbitant price of these books I know you're not like you didn't ask about this. I want to make a point right now how much does the book cost uh,
3: 1099
1: 1099 if you guys want to have a Muslim community where people still write books of quality Just go ahead and buy the book. If you don't read it, you can gift it to your cousin or nephew who's an MSA somewhere or whatever. Just put it on your shelf. It's better to look smart. If you are dumb, at least don't look dumb. Buy the book. If we don't make it, people. No, seriously, people will like. We will buy uh, uh, Kanye West (coughs) fidget spinner. We will buy. uh, We will buy. People pay for their Minder subscription for God's sakes or whatever other iteration of that. App that they'll pay for or other apps that they'll pay for and that's why those things exist if we don't support our uh, uh, Muslim authors that are putting out quality work that influences uh, society for the better like we shouldn't be people of bibliophobia like from the fear of reading right buy the books and support them uh, and do attend these lessons you know like if you're an MSA if you're a political movement if you're a masjid that wants to get more involved in the community etc etc you know if you cannot have Shaykh <clears throat> Uh, Iman would come to your community and teach the sacred activism uh, course in its various modules then at least take benefit online a lot of stuff is m- cheap or free Then sometimes yeah. you know take benefit from it I wanted to mention the other book that uh, uh, I was gifted by uh, your co-author Ahmed Mubarak when I was out, out in Rockford yes. which is another wonderful book and maybe uh, let you say a couple of words about that before jumping off um, uh, in as much as it's a beautiful work because our dean, uh, uh, you know, like race in America means something very particular for this time and for this place, yeah. and uh, people superimpose like their ideas of race, what they mean in America, like uh, you know, after like whatever, uh, uh, you know, the Revolutionary War and you know until now. They superimpose those things on Dean to the point where some of our African American uh, uh, brothers and sisters are made to feel somehow like the Dean is like a uh, you know is like going from the back of the bus to the back of the camel to quote uh, a figure that I feel is like a very Dajjalic figure and for him even to say that I I it bothers me but there is somewhat of a point where people are made to feel because of people who talk on behalf of Islam and misrepresent it. Um, that somehow blackness, what what is now associated with the idea of blackness, if you fit those categories, that somehow you don't have uh, uh, you don't have a um, something that you can see of yourself, even in the highest level level of transmitters of the Deen. You mentioned the companions yeah. or the Allah, Anhum, the imams of the family, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi etc. And so, so this book, like I want you to tell tell us about this book in, in in brief, and also maybe a couple of things that someone can say. Well, I didn't know that. Um, that will make uh, our african american uh, uh, or African African br- uh, brothers and sisters feel comfortable in their place in their dean and also give pause to other people who may uh, you know have their uh, ostrich head in the ground um, that you know you need to like wise up about you know what you think about blackness because you know if you think bad <clears throat> about it you're thinking
3: bad about you know no. the dean itself no. so um, uh, we co-authored a book called Centering Black Narrative, Black Muslim Nobles Among the Early Pious Muslims. And just for uh, the occasion behind this book, it actually stemmed from some very uh, unfortunate comments that are made by a public speaker uh, in the UK who's made a number of, <laughs> of videos that are controversial about al-Bukhari and some other things. I'm not going to mention his name. Um he made some comments. No, not every
1: not every Dajjal has one eye. Some of them have two. Anyway. Yeah. So
3: <laughs> and even some of them claim our method, unfortunately. That's a lot of yeah. But uh um we um we wrote this book uh in in regards to some statements that were made uh that were anti-black and it also because some people looked up to this speaker, it caused them some confusion and doubts about themselves. Unfortunately, um, so we wrote this book. Uh, Ustad Abdullah Ali, uh, Zaytuna College wrote the wrote the foreword or the introduction to it, <coughs> and it was done to uh, show some of the noble Muslims of the first two generations who were known to be black, besides Bilal or because you know that's the you know, sometimes when people was like, you know, my best friend's black. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when <laughs> you bring up racism, oh, well, you know, Bilal, uh, you know, Bilal called the Adhan, so racism is gone. I literally heard that from an uncle when I gave the khutbah in Baltimore last uh, year in Muharram. I mentioned that, oh, we used to talk about this issue of racism. You know, because Bilal called the Adhan on the Kaaba, and, you know, racism is gone. You um, know, MashaAllah. So, so um, we wrote this book. We, we, we wrote this book. Uh, to highlight this and also to break the myth about mutual exclusivity between Arabs and blackness. Because mm-hmm. Arabs aren't a race. And the Asli Arabs, or the foundational Arabs, were predominantly described as el sumar wa-Uduma, as brown and dark brown. So the average Arab of the days of old would look more like someone from Sudan than someone from Sham or, or, or greater Syria, for instance. right? Uh, so some of those things that we, we brought out, for instance, just to bring this up, is that overwhelmingly, if we look at Sifat al-Safwa by Ibn al-Jawzi, al-Hambali, rahmatullah ali for his book, Tariq uh, al-Tabari, Ibn Jirid al-Tabari, the great scholar, Rahimullah of tafsir and history, and others, you see the predominant Jaladina Sayyuti and Tariq al Khulafa. Uh, may Allah be well pleased with Suliuti, who's himself an ocean. Um, the Sina Na'ali bi'talab al to Rashid is normally described overwhelmingly in Islamic books as kana Adam Shadidu udma. So let me break that down for you all linguistically. You don't know about these words. So in old Arabic, Adam means brown. Shadeed is intensified. And it's
1: the, same, it's the same word, by the way, for like our forefather, Sayyidina Adam, a. Salam. A- 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 And now even the scientists, they say that human beings are originally black.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Adam is literally a demo art ard It's like from topsoil. Yeah. Right? Um, so Adam, then Shadeed is an intensifier. And Al-Udmah is what's called the masdar of, of, of Adam. Uh, so it is, he was... Brown that was intensified upon darker brown. So basically, Sayyidina Ali is described as being like the color of like dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Sayyidina Bilal al-Habashi, al- the Abyssinian Ethiopian, is described as Adam mm-hmm. So Sayyidina Bilal mm-hmm. is described as the same skin color, or let me say it reverse. Sayyidina Ali is described as the same skin color as Sayyidina Bilal, mm-hmm. overwhelmingly. At the lightest, you'll see uh Sina, uh um Ali ding described as closer to el Odoma which still means dark brown so maybe so at the least he was like this right mm-hmm. he's out right
1: Either way, Masha'Allah. <laughs> <I don't
3: know. laughs> oh, 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 wrong way, wrong way.
2: I, I just much came much back from California. <laughs> 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 I can get up in here too. So, Shaitan, Shaitan
1: puts this stuff up in here. You know, even even like the black nationalist rhetoric, talk about the Afro Asiatic black man. You know, like yeah. we we in this together. Anyway, go uh, on. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So that's 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 one example, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So he would be phenotypically seen as a black object. Now, one of the also interesting, and there are
1: people in this world who like are having heart attacks and grabbing their ears and like you know pronouncing that fear that how dare you say said Ali was black. What's wrong with that? Yeah, what's wrong with that? And he was now you know like
3: deal with it. Yeah, deal with it. Right. Now, the 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 other issue is that, uh, Umar Ibn Khattab That if we look back at his lineage, and Ibn Ibn Al Jozi mentioned this in his uh, book. is called uh, Ten World Ghabish Fi Fadil Sudan wahhabish he is trying to illuminate the ignorance as it relates to the blacks and the Abyssinians, right? He's trying to clarify that. So Ibn al-Jawzi wrote that the, the lineage, he mentions Arab, nomal, Arab nobles with Abyssinian maternal lineage. So the mother of Nufail, who is the grandfather of Omar ibn al-Khattab, mm-hmm. was Habashia was African, Ethiopian, okay, then... Which the, is,
1: by the way, according to American racial standards, he was black. He was black, Omar according, was black. According to like racial standards that were used for Jim Crow and whatever, Sayyidina Omar Ali by that, is, is black. Right. Then, his
3: grandmother was also black. So Sayyidina Omar al-Khattab, his great-grandmother, and grandmother were African. But now, what but he was still from Quraysh, because see, the Arabs didn't have this weird racial construct like like, like the, the white supremacists in America. because see, our so-called founding fathers, they gave uh, they had children from enslaved black women, but their children were considered black, they couldn't inherit from their fathers. And even like that miscreant, Thomas Jefferson, kept his children in slavery while he was alive and there there was no concept of um walida like you give birth and you're free. When when Thomas Jefferson died, Sally Hemonds who he had children by was sold off to another family. So like so like but Omar had Abyssinian blood, but he was still seen as an Arab noble. Right? So just because you know um, he didn't lose his position in his tribe because of his skin color or because he had um, this African lineage. So it's, it's, it's a totally different paradigm from the paradigm of the, of the European uh, colonialists and, and what they did uh, stretching from the Congo and that devil uh, King Leopold to what the so-called founding father Shiatin did here in, in, in America right it, it's, it's it's a totally different paradigm so i mean
1: like it's you know you can name the highway after them you can name you can make a statue you say it was about virginia but at the end of the day you know like if, if you do the devil's <coughs> work then what are people going to call you you know right, like
3: right. yeah so th- that's just a little bit so you can get the book and i'm i have something right now with the editor right now that's uh another book that i wrote uh solo that's coming out is with the uh it's, with, it's being edited as we speak with the publisher in the UK. Um, and it's going to be called uh, titled Blackness in Islam, in which we are going through this further. But it's also going to be answering some of the questions about from the orientalists, including the black orientalists, because they've taken certain hadith and misconstrued them to try to say, well, Islam is anti-black. Like, for instance, the hadith that we have that uh, hear and obey the leader even if he is uh, an abyssinian with the with the head the zabiba he's a raisin head right so they've yeah they're, they're they're, up raisin yeah, head. yeah so they've taken this they've taken this hadith or or some uh, fabricated uh, sayings and some of these uh, books like usulu Kafi, and some of these things like don't marry a, 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 a beware of marrying a Zenj at least your children will come out deformed and all of, like this Fabricated, foolishness. You have
1: a possibility of your children coming out actually like probably superior.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. So 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 anyway so anyway this this book will be dealing with some of these with some of these uh, things of clarifying certain things that or are shooting well, down stuff. that's is made up. Well, yeah. Well, first is they they clear up some stuff that Orientalists have. Um, intentionally misinterpreted because we have mm. our, our our scholars like Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani and others have have explained uh, some of these traditions but then also some things that are completely like mal- malduat, like Ibn al-Jawzi for in instance fabrications Ibn yeah. al-Jawzi for instance his book Kitab and Maudu'at he he like mentioned all of like these anti-black like hadith they are sheer total fabrications uh, and about the Zanj and all these things are political relating to, uh, to the Abbasids and some of the the fitna that took place during the, the, the Abbasid era. And, and El Ma'amun and that's a whole other discussion about the fitna of the Abbasids and El Mahmun and all of, the, all of that type of uh, talk. So I'll leave it at that. So inshallah, that should be out by November, so, so that the, book.
1: That book is gonna be out in November. November inshallah. This book, The <coughs> Century Black Narrative. Can be found on Amazon.com. Amazon. How, much, how much is it usually around ballpark? it's not going to break the bank, buy it. And don't just say like, oh, I'm not black, I'm not going to buy it. If you're, if you're Shia and you say that Ali is your Imam, do you love Ali or do you love whatever weird like phantasm you have in your head? Teach your children about him so that they can know who who is this great Imam of the Ahlul Bayt. Actually, if you're a Sunni, they, if you, if they you're, were the but,
3: ones who made the the biggest issue about us talking about Sayyidina Ali being black. By the way, but if
1: you're if you're if you're if you're sincere if you're sincere yeah. in your love, know who he is, right? Yeah. If you're a Sunni, if you you know our we I'm like I I don't think anybody here is has makes any compunction about you know following the way of the Sunnah. Uh, and the jama'ah, uh, the companions of the are the transmitters of the Deen. If you don't love the companions, you're not you're you know you're not in that tradition. You're kind of freestyling out on your own. Mm-hmm. Know who the companions are. Uh, don't try to project what you want them to be. You know you know people like I I have, that's my own truth. You don't get your own truth, and you don't get to make up your own like companions. It's not like a, a like Burger King where you can ask people to hold pickles or whatever. You know, like <laughs> it, you got to know who they are. Teach it to your children as well, so that they don't have Shaitan doesn't get into their head mm-hmm. and like, you know, uh, befoul and pollute the uh, uh, the the purity of what is the Isma to Amrina. This is the, the the protection of our Dinas and in being connected with these people. Right. Uh, um. Whatever your color is, and read it to the children too before these like, uh, you know, polluters come and like befoul like what should be pure in their minds. What
3: are the point? What? How different would the paradigm be if our children were being taught at a young age that the first martyr amongst the Sahaba, may Allah be well pleased mm-hmm. with him, was was Umm Um Amar, yeah. who was described as being a black woman.
1: She's an African how, woman. Yeah.
3: How would that change the thing that the first person that gave their life for this deen for this noble path that we tread
1: was a black woman? Yeah. There's I so mean, many, like now so that you mention it, like cascade a cascades, Osama bin Zaid, his mother, mother uh, Barakah, uh, uh, Umayman, um, 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 there's just so much. And it doesn't mean like, you know, if you're not white, you're like, some, or if you're white, there's something wrong with you, or if you're not black, something wrong with you, or whatever. I mean, we just, mashallah, I just gave a talk the other day about the return of Sayyidina Isa, it's, I'll be very honest with you. Like, we have like white Jesus, black Jesus, the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, described him as being uh, uh, white with uh, uh, redness in his skin. That's the beauty about the deen is that whoever you are, there is something that you can see of yourself in it, right? And that's okay. We should, we should, we we need to learn that in like, you know, and there should be this idea that it's all beautiful, the equality of beauty, and not one in which some are more equal than others or whatever, but like we should just genuinely imbibe this. So get the book, inshallah, support uh, uh, a good work to continue be, uh, being put out. Is there anybody else who would like to? No, inshallah. Moana, can you please dua inshallah and this?
3: Your travelers, no du'a, du'a, uh, du'a. The travelers must be
1: Allah Allahumma salli ala sallam barak ala sidi mm-hmm. na Muhammad wa ala alihi washabihi Allah ma'aina ala dikerika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. Allahumma ya mukallib al qulub, ythabt qulubna ala dinnik. Allahumma ya mursalif al qulub, sarif qulubna ala ta'atik. Allahumma inna nasaluka fa'ala al khairat, tatarkal mankarat, mm-hmm. tuhb al masakin. أن تغفر لنا وترحمنا وإذا أردت بعبادك فتنة فقبذنا إليك غير مفتونين اللهم إننا نسألك حبك وحب من يحبك وحب العمل يقربنا إلى حبك اللهم جعل حبك أحب إلينا من الماء البارد اللهم قسم لنا من خشيتك ما تحول به بيننا وبين معاصيك ومن طاعتك ما تبلغنا به جنتك ومن اليقين ما تهون علينا مصائب الدنيا اللهم اتعنا بأسماعنا وإبصارنا وقواتنا ما أحييتنا واجعلوا الوارثة منا واجعلوا ثأرنا على من ظرمنا وانصرنا على من عادانا ولا تجعل فتنتنا في ديننا ولا تجعل الدنيا أكبر همنا ولا مبلغ علمنا ولا تصلت علينا من لا يرحمنا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطل وارزقنا اجتنابه اللهم اكفينا بحلالك عن حرامك وأغنينا بفضلك عن من سواك اللهم ربنا لنا من أزواجنا وضورياتنا قرة أعيني وجعلنا للمتقين إماما أمين. اللهم إننا نسألك الحدى والتقى والعفاف والغنى أمين. اللهم إننا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة أمين. اللهم نعوذ بك من جهد البلاء ومن درك الشقاء ومن سوء القضاء ومن اللهم نعوذ بك من والحزن ونعوذ بك من العجز والكسل ونعوذ بك من الجبن والبخل ونعوذ بك من غلبة الدين الرجال Ya Allah forgive us all of our sins except our having left our homes to meet our brothers in the path of Allah Ta'ala and to say a word of truth and to say a word of goodness in order that we may hear it ourselves and benefit and that other people may benefit as well. Ya Allah. Ya Allah reward our uh, honored Imam Dawud Walid uh, for hosting us in such a beautiful way and sharing with us uh, such beautiful things. Ya Allah, whoever uh, participated in it, the of Zuhair is helping us uh, record the ICC, we're using their equipment, Brother Shafi, we're using his equipment. Um, You know, whoever listens to this podcast and spreads it and whoever benefits from it. All of them, all of us, Ya Allah, who has any participation in it whatsoever, Ya Allah, forgive us all of our sins and write for us a good destiny and protect us from the fitan and from the trials and tribulations of this world and from the hate of the haters and from the evil of the evil ones, Ya Allah. Make us such that, 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 that you reform us such a reformation that even everything we touch also becomes reformed through through the barakah of your, your fadl, Ya Allah. Mm-hmm. Ya Allah, uh, accept us from us and give us a a, a, a a better life, whatever's left in front of us, and make the best part of our life the part that's yet to come, mm-hmm. and make the our best <coughs> moments, our last moments, and our best words, our last words, mm-hmm. and make them la ilaha, and accept it from us and give this sa'adah and this happiness also to our, our, our family and our loved ones, uh, and our neighbors and our friends, and those who helped us, and those who spoke good of us, and those who wished us well and did good by us, and also those who spoke ill of us and did poorly by us from our friends and neighbors ya allah give us all the saadah to be guided and to live and die by uh, islam and by iman and accept it from us in this world and the hereafter sallallahu tabarak wa taala wa sallama ala sayyidina Muhammadu wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajmaeen subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin allahumma rabbana taqabbal minna wa fir lana warhamna wa waffiqna lima tuhibbu wa tarda bihi wa akhdim bil husna warfa' bi aidina rayat al islami barakat al-fatiha gesagt noch noch wieder viel